Hi. This show is only possible thanks to the support of our backers at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Uh, several people, um, a, a handful even, give us uh, money each month to make shows, and uh, that's how we can be adventurous and do cool, weird stuff like this. At least we think it's cool. So head over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, check out the donation tiers, also uh, check out the rewards that you might get. Uh, we think there's some cool stuff in there. Yeah, we'd love to have you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.E.M. is the best American rock band. And this week we're talking about Reckoning, which is an album that came out um, on April 9th of 1984, less than a year after Murmur. That's bonkers. <laughs> well, it's um, not so bonkers considering they had most of the songs already written. And they uh, recorded it in 11 days. Yeah. So <laughs> well, that's why a, not? They had 365, and they we don't need all of them. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where the band is at at this point in their life? Yeah. So um, we talked last week when we talked about Murmur about them being this in this you know in this period of just incredible creative output, at least in terms of volume. Like they committed 22 songs to tape in one day when they were in San Francisco working with Elliot Mazur, who is one of Neil Young's producers. So if that tells you kind of like what they were working with in terms of raw material, that gives you a sense of like the velocity that they had approaching reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. What's what, um, so I don't, I don't have that in my, my note, um, notes. What did that turn into? That just turned, this is, this is recorded with, with Easter and Dixon. Yeah, that did like that literally just turned into like we're we're over here and we have a little bit of extra time. So like, you know, we're going to use this producer. We're going to be in the studio. But like it was like internal demos is the sense that I got from the way it was okay. written in the book. So like those have never been released or anything. like Right, that. right. It was like for their own okay. reference. Gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, that's the, the first I heard of that. I knew that they obviously knew that they were, you know, uh, <laughs> super productive right around now. Um this is also a time in which they are being colossal weirdos. Yep. Um, so this is Michael Stipe at some point around here loses his mind <laughs> and uh, just starts being, you know, eating garlic. What? <laughs> yeah. Did you did you read about that? Did that no. show up? That showed up in both of my books. No, it didn't show um, up in mine. Since he, since they were touring so much, he was worried about the health effects of that, and someone told him like, "Hey, eat garlic." You know, it's like, it's good for you. It like fixes you at superfood, you know, before superfoods were a thing. Right. So he's walking around eating garlic, like apples, um, <laughs> like canned like fruit. <laughs> yes. Uh, constantly eating garlic. And so much so that like, there's these stories about them having to like de-garlic their microphones oh, so other God. people could use them. There's like the producer said, you know, there's this one microphone he used that smelled so bad that we like left it out in a garage to try to air it out. And I eventually had to demote it to like a boom, like or a, a bass drum mic <laughs> because I need... wouldn't stop just chomping down garlic. We, we, need to, we need to put this as close to the floor as possible. Wait, <laughs> this is unfit for human mouths. Like this is <laughs> only instruments can touch this microphone because, because Stipe garlic it up. Oh God. Uh, but he's, he's being a real, this is him. Uh, you're watching him uh, kind of learn to deal with fame. Right. right. You know, kind of in real time. <laughs> and he's doing that thing where he's, you know, 
initially very shy, but that would only kind of like get big on stage. But he's realizing like, hey, I have to actually be a spokesman for this, this band and talk and everything. Um, let's call let's cultivate some affectations. Yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh didn't have the garlic thing. Was that was that in the press at the time, or is that just only like after the fact when they were comfortable talking about that phase in Stipe's life? I, I have no idea. Yeah. It's it's in the, the multiple people will bring it up in the oral history thing. Huh. So it's not just like one person being like, here's the fun garlic anecdote. <laughs> it's more like everyone's talking about Stipe's garlic thing. Yeah. I, I, um, I that, that that leads me to question the book that I'm reading because like at this point, you know, they started talking about like to that aff- affectation kind of side of this, like they, they they really started kind of lying about themselves. We talked about Buck kind of embellishing or just kind of uh, averring when the press would try and pin him down on something he didn't want to talk about but like Mm -hmm. like they were very much trying to present an image that was not that 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 was not real to the point where they said ah we're we're not a drinking type of band and then very shortly afterwards mike mills was arrested for and this is a quote cavorting nude with a young lady on a water tower fuck yeah mike yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah I wonder if it's it's the don't go back to Rockwell lady that he wanted to <laughs> so thirsty for. Yeah. The um yeah, it, it's a uh, they were the you know, they have always been like a drinking band yes. kind of thing. I can almost like rather than just like out that being an outright lie, I could see it being them just like we're not Led Zeppelin like you know, yeah, I don't know yeah. what their story is, how many brown M&Ms can they fit into a groupie's butt or whatever they <laughs> actually did. I don't I get my tour stories with, with Led Zeppelin mixed up. Right, right. But like, you know, they're not doing stuff like that was maybe the the idea Maybe there. what they were saying, yeah, yeah, like yeah. we're not, we're not Aussie, yeah, 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 and that you know that with the with the best will in the world, right? That could be what's going on, but they are getting you know they're in the spotlight a lot more now. Uh, you don't have this you know album Murmur, which was huge, um, you know, not Michael Jackson huge, but you get a lot of attention from being called the uh, you know the best album of the year mm-hmm. over Michael Jackson, yeah, 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 and they had to uh, to kind of deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm sorry I can't get over that garlic story. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um they um this is also uh just in Michael Stipe stuff because most of the stuff that I read about this period was was pretty Stipe centric. Mm-hmm. Um there's a there's a lovely little like anecdote about him not knowing music and not knowing what sharp and flat means. I think I've mentioned this before. Yeah. But yeah. this album was full of that where like now they're drawing him aside because he can't you can't hit the do note. it right. Can't yeah. hit the note. So they'll they'll be like, it's a little and he even says like there's a quote where he's like, they would say, Hey, you're sharp. And he would just try it again without really knowing what that meant. Right. Until right. they eventually said it was right. <laughs> um, you know, without really knowing how to command anything. Right. So like their songwriting is getting much more confident. I think that's really evident on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a real growth kind of thing. Like they are you're we're watching them grow mm-hmm. uh here as people. Yeah. It's like their 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 capabilities are are expanding to meet kind of like the rise, you know, uh, just rising expectations that they're mm-hmm. placing on themselves and that, you know, that are placed on, that are placed on them, you know, by their, by their public. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, this is around a time when they like were able to like sit still for a little bit longer than usual. So like they settled back at Athens, Athens. I am a human. I am a human named Cole. Uh, they, <laughs> Up in Athens. Yeah, yeah they settled back at Athens and uh, Michael Stipe started getting really involved in the art scene again there. Uh, probably yes. going there and making unwatchable films uh, maybe. Um, wow. <laughs> um, uh, Buck Mills and Barry decided to do the Hindu love gods. Yes. Which I... Uh... <laughs> 
for those all those godheads out there who are asking for where our Hindu love gods episode is, <laughs> it is part of the the diggity buck diggity duck bundle. Yeah, uh, which you can find on our store, and we have talked about. Yes, we have. Um, I was not aware the name of the band is just a band name that was sitting around in Peter Buck's head forever. And he finally had a project to put it on apropos of nothing. Stick it on on Zivon. <laughs> yep. It's interesting the way, speaking of Warren Zivon, uh, the way that they're dealing with fame here, too. Because uh, one of the cool things about the, the oral history book, there's all these stories about them um, not really understanding that they were bigger or as big as they are. Right. So like with Warren Zivon... Um, there's a show in California where they brought Warren Zavon on to play a song mm-hmm. with them and expected, you know, the audience to care. And they didn't like, they didn't know who Warren Zavon was, but <laughs> in REM's head, it was just like, man, this is Warren fucking Zivon. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're just these four dudes from Athens. So you, they have that, that kind of sense of humility kind of sticks around, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you look at, and we talked about this in the Hindu love gods episode, but if you think about it in those terms, it makes that project seem a little bit more sympathetic because it's like to them, it was like, this is a big deal. Right. Right. Or in fucking Zivon. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like just like even in the one-off like single, we're going to have this, you know, rock God playing piano for us. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, you know, I, I could see that being a huge, a huge opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this is also like uh, Peter Buck kind of kind of boneheadedly talked about how much money he made. Like he mm. said, like, oh, you know, like at one point oh, I make like 350 bucks a month or whatever. Um, and then, you know, his his manager, like Jefferson Holes, like people are going to want to know, like now that you have like put that out, like that's not something you can talk about. And yeah. like after they pass a certain point, that talk stopped. Yeah. Yeah. They figured it out, which is generally best practices. Of course. Not to not to talk about that kind of stuff in direct terms. Right. Um, I think this might be another part where our bi- biographies can uh, diverge. Because hmm. in thinking about the production of it, um, the notes here it says uh, that they were nervous about doing the follow up, and most of the things that I have in my reading said that they were not really nervous about it. Yeah, and uh, that they were pretty confident and came in like knowing how to make an album kind of after that. Yeah. So, so where that comes from is just the idea of, uh, again, their capabilities rising to meet their expectations, you know, the expectations that are put on them. Like, I think the sense was IRS had bigger expectations of them, specifically because IRS had started getting bigger, bigger uh, kind of like successes um, yeah. in, the, in, in the in the interim. And so that placed a lot of pressure on them from the outside, as opposed to like the way they actually engaged with that process, which was to be very loose. Like they didn't come in wanting to murmur everything. They came in with these very disparate ideas saying like, we, you know, like we have this idea of how we want this to sound. We want it to sound live. We want it to sound loose. And the, and the label itself was worried that it was going to be like Led Zeppelin two was the, uh, mm-hmm. was, was the comparison that I read. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that could be the case that the label was worried about it, but I don't think REM was. Hmm. I think they specifically set out to be like, yes, we could try to duplicate that. Let's not do that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's uh, make this thing that's set out specifically to be kind of loose, but also very disparate and weird. Yeah. You know, so the idea would have been to do, <clears throat> or the safe thing would have been to do Murmur too. Sure. Uh, but instead they're like, let's have, we're going to have one country song and one rock song and one weird funeral dirge and one thing with a fucking regrettable Raga drum part. <laughs> and like, and, and then just uh, kind of move, move through that way. So it, it, everything I've read makes them sound very confident about what they wanted to do. It made them sound less like a, <clears throat> like kind of playing into the narrative, the REM narrative of being kind of iconoclast and, and really independent artists. Mm-hmm. You know, so there might have been additional pressure from the label, yeah, but they didn't really capitulate to it. 
Yeah. Like the, that was the, my understanding. The nerves don't show on the final product at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. aside aside from you know Stipe's Stipe singing, which is all yeah, nerves, I, but like yeah, everybody. <laughs> that's the other thing that showed up a lot in my my reading is that that was a real contrast where Stipe was kind of having this breakdown and kind of growing into being a, essentially a rock star. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the guys in the band are, were significantly more confident and, you know, more kind of straight ahead with it. Yeah. Didn't have a problem with it, which mm-hmm. I like, I, that kind of comes through, I think as well on the record, like that sound that passes the smell test, you know? Yeah. 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 But like, even with these kind of changing conditions, their, their ethic didn't change. You know, they, yeah. you know, they had, two two consecutive you know like stretches of eight days with like one small one small break in between to record this and their conflicting reports obviously peter buck is going to come out and mythologize he said you know like hey this whole thing was done in 11 days mitch easter says it was closer to 20 um that yeah. they, that, you know again they finished this amazing album <laughs> um but uh but that is still a ridiculously short amount of time to produce you know a 10 song a 10 song album of this quality what I think might be might be true is they might have recorded for eleven days, uh, and yeah. then like Easter had to do post production and and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, so Easter's it, job was longer than theirs. Was longer. Yeah. You could make a you know, and I love um, it's so like thinking about Mitch Easter like and Don Dixon. The first album they got like two thousand uh, dollars. This one they up their their fee to a princely three thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like seems so modest for for twenty days of like I mean twenty days three thousand dollars for twenty days of work isn't mm-hmm. that uh you know that's that's a reasonable wage yeah you know but to be something like that ends up being this big and important yeah you know it's just bonkers <laughs> three thousand whole dollars yeah three thousand dollars and <laughs> and that's yeah that's all you guys got and this is this is the album which they're credited as machinists right uh, which i don't think it was meant to be a dig i think it's just rem being weird yeah it's just rem being weird but like it was very collaborative like easter wasn't so much calling the shots you know, like they, yes. they, like they, the band knew how they wanted to sound at this point is the sense that I got. Yes. And th- and that's part of when I say that it, it sounds more confident is that you don't run into those kind of like, there's not studio trickery on it. Yeah. You know, which is something that like REM on the first album, they were kind of curious about it. And the second album, I always got the sense that that was Mitch Easter's thing as the, the composer of the, you know, the genius behind jazz lips. <laughs> yeah. the, um, I just assumed he like, just liked that weirdo shit. Right. Um, and then this one, it's just, it sounds like just like a rock band yeah, pretty much from front to back. Like there's, there's really none of that stuff. And some of that stuff can work for me, but here it's much cleaner and just like confident is a really good word for it. Yeah. Uh, to me, um, you know, again, other than, other than Sype. Yeah. Um, you know, Dude. and there's uh, there's specific songs where they had to like really, really work him. Yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, uh oh gosh, uh, seven, seven Chinese, Chinese brothers, brothers where, <laughs> I mean, we, we could talk about it there, but like using almost like you, you get the sense of like trying to lure a kid into the, into the dentist with a trail of candy or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a real, it's a real classic studio move, uh, to say like, you know, we're not recording, just do a practice take, but right, actually right. record it. Yeah. You know, that, that is such a like classic <laughs> studio thing when i used to uh try to do vocal takes because i'm not a great singer like uh i would record with andy the guy I played drums with um or played drums uh in the band and his he would do that and then his other thing was like like drink a beer and do it again mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of like a sentence and like that is also like those little production tricks to like tease out good vocal takes yeah and stuff i have a lot of affection for and you can just imagine them like yeah. I mean, imagine for for Sipe, it just like 
you know, s- slam this garlic paste and try it again. <laughs> you know, crush, crush this ball, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, just, uh, just take, uh, just, just take a snarf of this new hummus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rock a clove. Brother. Rock a clove, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love those little tricks. Uh, when I was uh, studying documentary filmmaking in in, in college, uh, this is tremendously unethical. But uh, using using gaff tape to cover the recording light. To, uh, oh, to, sure. to, to so people don't know when you're recording or not. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Similar yeah. Uh, similar things they had to do with, uh, with 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 Michael Stipe, who was still at this point recording in a stairwell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, they almost made this a double album, Gary. That would have been disastrous. Yeah, I mean, like as a second album move, that's such a shitty. Yeah. <laughs> such a shitty move. I mean, I I imagine I still would have liked it. I liked yeah. all the songs that you know came out of this period for mm-hmm. the most part and it would have had a lot of stuff that showed up on fables right. uh, and some stuff that showed up on um life Source pageant i think which would have been like cool those are good songs mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been the kind of weird perfect album it would have been like a, a really cool sprawling thing that's a little bit more yeah i wouldn't say for fans only but would have tipped the needle slightly more in that direction yeah it would have been pretty alienating i just i i generally don't like double albums very much mm-hmm. i think that they're 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 kind of regrettable moves I, I, haven't, I haven't heard one. Yeah, I haven't heard one where you couldn't cut out half of it. Right. Yeah. You know, there's and, there's literally not one. Yeah. That and, I've heard. and those songs that ended up on Fables or uh, or you know or, or on Reconstruction, I'm happy they had more time to to bake. Is <laughs> the is the thing. So. Yeah, I, I wonder if they. I would have been interested to hear a version that wasn't recorded in abject misery. Uh, true. You know, that, yeah. that thing. Like, just because that's such a such a weird. And looking forward to talking about that because it's a it's the first album I think that they've done that like. I will brook arguments that it's not an unqualified success. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that album. Like for a long <laughs> yeah. time, it was my favorite REM album. Like I think it's really phenomenal, but it is weird. Yeah. You know, and it's in learning about the circumstances of its birth, like make it make sense. Yeah. Um, I would have been curious to hear. And I like the, the live versions of some of those songs that show up mm-hmm. around now. I just kind of like, Oh, like that's what driver eight sounds like when these guys don't want to kill each other, <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um also kind of uh, along these production lines uh the running order was something that was kind of a uh bone of contention between the band and the producers this is just another another example of the band kind of huddling up and acting unilaterally they didn't really take Mm -hmm. any input on that and so like nobody involved in the record aside from rem themselves is happy with the way this is sequenced although to be fair how do you sequence something as diverse as this yeah, I think this is a sequence pretty much correct. Like, there's a few songs on here that are clear album openers. Yeah. Other than that, like everything else could go, you know, yeah. a couple different ways, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, uh, so this has, instead of having an a, a and a B side, um, this has an L and an R side because mm-hmm. these guys are goofy. <laughs> and uh, originally this was going to be called File Underwater. Um, as well, it was going to be called uh, Second Guess mm-hmm. was another early title for this. Yeah. Um, Second, I'm glad it wasn't called Second Guess. A little yeah, bit that, on the nose. Yeah, a little bit. Reckoning is a little yeah. bit on the nose for me, too, because like yeah, when they were so. touring to support this, like, oh, the second album is the time of Reckoning. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, bands always say that, and their second albums are almost always good. Yeah. Like, you know, like the great bands have, like, their album, my favorite album tends to be their second album. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, uh, just because it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, the sophomore slump is a weird kind of myth, I think. I'm sure it happens, but it happens with things like where people hear one hit wonder bands and think they're going to be more than that. Mm-hmm. So like nobody's talking about the second aha album, you know, even though like light only shines on TV or whatever the, I think that's the name of the first, uh, aha album is fine. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of a good record, 
Um, but nobody like nobody cares about their second record. Yeah. You know, that's like a sophomore slump. Like you couldn't produce a hit. But if it's like a more album oriented band. Right. I think this the sophomore slump is you're largely insulated mm-hmm. against it. Yeah. I'd be curious that like I wonder what the example I'm sure there's like there's some intolerable pitchfork list of like the worst sophomore slumps or like <laughs> I'd be curious to see what people are holding as an example of that. Because I think largely I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it probably is just is is just bands that uh they didn't have a second album in them who signed a contract yeah. you know which exactly because that's the other cliche you have your whole life for your first album and three months for your second yeah it's a real thing um yeah. i like file underwater as a as, as a name because i never actually like read that as an instruction to uh to record store workers mm-hmm. <laughs> but it totally is that like you know like that was a thing like hey file this under rock you know on the uh on, yeah. on the edge like telling people where to put it and you know like this is a wet album it uh you know like most a lot of the lyrics are about water in some kind of way as a you know as as a symbol yeah 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 that that shows up more and they they do kind of have like have their albums that are uh kind of themed that way yeah. uh, famously like document is a fire album mm-hmm. they say uh, really it's a bad horns album but like <laughs> that's not true <laughs> there're too many horns on that album yeah yeah how about rock bands don't use horns? Um, I use them sparingly. Like very sparingly. Yeah. It's hard for me to think of a good, and I'm sure it happens, but yeah. like generally woof. <laughs> um, there's also like a lot of uh, kind of loss over this album, um, specifically uh, a song called uh, Camera, but a couple of their songs are about a really good friend of theirs named Carol Levy, who was kind of a scene uh, lady who died uh, actually on her way back to Athens for the Murmur release party. Yeah. Uh, which is heartbreaking yeah. a die in a car accident. Yep. So, so you're going to see that like, this is very dark and, you know, specific in a way that murmur is not like, you cannot like call out, you know, for a lot of REM songs, a specific inciting incident like you can for this. Yeah. Um, and then the, this is going to kind of continue this biography, like biographical phase because in fables, um, most of those songs are about people. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Stipe wrote a lot of songs about weird Southern weirdos. <laughs> and uh, this is kind of the beginning of him doing this kind of character work stuff. And he, he's into that for a little while. Yeah. Um, he more or less like it more or less fades, uh, but it's always going to, it's going to be kind of part of his, his quiver for the rest of his, his lyric writing career. Yes. Um, so this is the beginning. The next album is, is peak peak Southern weirdo album. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, we'll talk about this when we talk about fables, but the, uh, the interesting thing is you can kind of see him, thinking a lot of those songs about these weird people in Athens because they are overseas recording this thing and they're all miserable. Yeah. So there's a homesickness, this homesick, homesickness. Yeah. Homesickness angle to that album. That I really like mm-hmm. that even pops up uh, at least once here in a, in a really kind of poignant way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, uh, it's one of those things, uh, successful comedians mostly do, uh, do songs about, um, airplanes because they end up flying everywhere. Whereas, yeah. you know, you get these songs that are wistful or missing home because they're spending so much time away. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. So there's, there's some other uh, other kind of stuff to consider um, with this album. Um, that Howard Finster guy who we talked about, he did the cover. Yep. Um, it is this. Uh, they just wanted something with serpents. Yeah. The only direction. <laughs> really, oh, just, uh, they, like Michael Stipe, I think, produced a sketch that was like, here are three, here, here are three snakes. Uh, one represents the earth. One represents the water. One represents the sky. Go nuts. And there was a mm-hmm. lot of back and forth about the cover. The um, 
the band was all my understanding is like pretty much into it at least and this is howard finster quote from that oral history and like who knows because like i said he's he's the real deal like he's an outsider artist um but he was saying how you know the painting didn't take him very long and they kept asking he kept asking them if they wanted him to do more Mm. with it Uh, and they said no yeah like the band was way into it um it is kind of an obtuse cover um i i really like the cover of this album yeah um it is kind of a sloppy outsider artist thing of like a big (laughs) a big two-headed snake yeah um, um I, lo- is, I love the yeah. uh, the back with uh, where, where the song titles are kind of like worked into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, specifically because they have always been cagey about sequencing, you know, even from the start, either putting in correct stuff or, you know, again, with this, with the, with the sides of the album being different, uh, being different things. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty cool. They also at this time uh, recorded with this guy who was a, uh, a professor like a, a, in the art department of the college and um, this art film called left of reckoning. Yes. Went there, which uh, has its five songs kind of soundtracked um, to this again, shitty art school art film thing. Yep. A lot of, uh, a lot of random images uh, like re-photography is the name of the technique they used um, that, uh, that, 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 that is cited a couple of times. I haven't seen it is the, is the thing. The description makes it sound onerous. Um, it, it was released as something called R on REM succumbs. Okay. I want to say, let me see if that is, I'm checking back checking live. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it was part of that. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, so that has a bunch of music videos on it. The early music videos and then has left a reckoning as a whole, uh, on it. And, uh, it's not really worth watching. I would say, um, yeah, um, I don't like the first like REM video content that's worth watching. Like, um, can't get here from or can't get there from here mm-hmm. as kind of a goofy fun video if you like these guys right that might be it i don't know <laughs> like, um for for like a long time like fall on me is a fine video but not good um in the world as you know it not great <laughs> I, mean, Crush. Yeah. I don't know and it, like it, you pretty much have to get to like man on the moon or something like that yeah man on the moon is interesting yeah and kind of fun and like as as stupid as it is like if i put myself in a more 90s sesame street mood like the video for shiny happy people with the weird backdrop that's being mm-hmm. bicycled around like i think that thing's kind of neat yeah losing my religion is cool mm-hmm. that's a good video yeah that's uh, like that like the, that is definitely stark and already and has like a lot of very well composed images in it yeah um and i think that i think that um what's the frequency kenneth is actually perfect for that song mm. yeah yeah it, it's appropriate but is it like that good on its own, you know? Yeah, they work together like, for me is the thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, is there, I, I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen that. Isn't that mostly like it's like an, them performing with kind of like an orange light? It's uh, it's it's them performing, but all of the relevant stuff is kind of out of, out of frame. It's like a replacements kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, like gotcha. like mo- most of it is uh, Michael Stipe recording, but his but 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 his uh, head is out of frame. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. They're singing, um, but his head is out of frame. Um, yeah, they, they are, uh, early on, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the video stuff just because it no, is, no. <laughs> so you, you can find like little clips of left of reckoning, uh, online. You can't find the whole thing, but it's part of the, the VHS and possibly DVD release of REM succumbs hmm. and, uh, is also, I don't think really worth your time <laughs> so for, for weird for 13 year old Gary only. Yeah. It'll, um, it'll, it'll be a, a kind of a picture into Michael Stipe's mind. However, it is so impenetrable as to be meaningless is the sense that I would get again, having not seen it um, just based on what I've seen of the radio free Europe video. 
which is I, mean, I, I don't even know if it's into his mind i think it's more just like it's it feels immature like yeah i guess that's kids, the thing. you know yeah. let's let's take a what he wants people like, to think is 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 aesthetic maybe yeah what, what we think kind of looks neat and, and kind of beautiful for a second yeah you know it's it's all that like uh, american beauty bag in the wind ah yeah yeah you know which like sounds deep when you're young and then and quickly you know, quickly becomes uh becomes worthy of ridicule yeah yep yep um, yeah, so this sold very, really, really well, but it wasn't quite the success that Murmur yeah. was. Again, just because it lived in the shadow yeah. of the prior yeah. success. Um, still still did fantastically. Um, still, uh, you know, had had big singles and is still an artistic triumph and is a really well thought of album. Yeah. This is not like a, a Dark Horse candidate or anything like that. No, no. Like the only, I think the only negative stuff that people are going to say about it, you know, negative in quotes, um, is is that, you know, indirect comparison to Murmur, you know, like just uh, again saying it doesn't measure up to the stuff they did for the first time there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not their opening cell, though. Right. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, I'm watching it. this Harbor Coat video. Um, yeah, it is very much like montage theory taken to yeah. a, taken to like a shuddering. Wow. Huh. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's not an official video for for Harbor <laughs> Coat. Uh, it is this is that is part of left left of reckoning. Um, there <laughs> right, is yeah. an official video for uh, South Central Rain, and we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, let's open up with uh, with 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 Harbor Coat. Um, and this is. I like this an awful oh, is, lot, this, especially this is one of my favorite REM songs, like oh, all yeah. time. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you know, like I'm going to take us probably to the very end and say, this is my favorite on the album. Um, and usually an opener is not like the, is, is not my favorite thing. Like there is something that makes a good opener for, for an album that kind of, you know, for me works against what would make it the best thing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but like this actually sends a message like this sounds very, very chronic towny to me. Like this, this is them taking us back to before murmur and making, making a definite statement that this is not something for murmur. Yeah. We're, we're shedding that soft production and slow pace of things and are going to let you kind of hear the individual instruments as opposed to them kind of being, you know, uh, uh mildly like you know of a piece right like it, everything sounds a lot more dynamic and separate uh and this it's really fast yep you know it is like a super super fast paced song um and like and this is you know not something you can really measure or anything but one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite rem songs and probably my my favorite one on the album as well um is just that it is uh catchy as all fuck yep <laughs> like i get this stuck in my head like all the time yeah. and it's not like a thing where it's like oh this is a good good chorus bad verse or vice versa like i like every part of the song mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah um, um and, and it's and it's weird because the part that gets stuck in my head i, I can't tell if it's if it's mills or barry but it's the uh it's it's the harmony on the chorus yeah. like like that is that is the part that like worms its way in yeah it's it's super super good yeah um the lyrics are also it's doing this thing that i love that is like uh non-literal but just like really really phenomenal turns of phrase yeah reddened their necks and collared their clothes yeah collared their (laughs) clothes like just like these little little things that sound good Mm -hmm. without being literal like the people talk about it and they talk about it being you know uh, maybe like a world war ii you know kind of thing right uh you know kind of a nazi thing um it it opens with a reference to lenin you know (laughs) yeah yeah or something about these, these kind of oppressed people but the lyrics don't direct you know, are not direct about that. Like the chorus is about finding your coat. 
Yep. <laughs> you know, like it, it is, a, and a harbor coat isn't a thing. No, no. Um, it, it's not, like, a, not a phrase. It, it puts an image in my head of like a pea coat, you know, that is like crusted with yeah. salt, but like it's not an actual thing. Um, he, he has said in an interview at one point that is a rewriting of the Anne Frank diaries. Yeah, I don't know about uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, other than just like the idea of because some of the some of the imagery is really oppressive. Right. And it, like that, you know, the metal metal shivs on wheel on wood pushed in your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a splinter in your eye and it reads react mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. But the, yeah. the things like the the lines that like, like uh, they shifted the statues for harboring ghosts <laughs> like that, like the idea, like that's a monster in my podcast shit. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm way into these statues harboring ghosts. Like, yeah. And I don't want to beat this drum way too much, but I love dark R.E.M. Yeah, <laughs> like I want yeah. them. I want them to be a little bit a, a little bit angry. I want them to be a little bit apocalyptic, you know? Yeah. And and I think that that's something that ultimately will be taken slightly further than i want on the next album yeah when they're actually miserable like i like dark rem that is dark uh where it is dark lyrics but the music sounds a little foreboding and awake Mm -hmm. but it isn't slow yeah that's yeah there there we go like i want boxcars you know yeah i want boxcars i don't like i like old man kinsey just fine but (laughs) that's not what i'm talking about you know feeling gravity's pole is a great song but i can't do couldn't do a whole album of feeling gravity's pole yeah this is the the dark dark urgent Mm mm-hmm you know, a uh, sense of urgency REM. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this is, this is one of those things that because it relies so much on these vocal harmonies, at least in the chorus, it's amazing to watch them do this live. Yeah. Like be sure to check out the, uh, the playlist that uh, Gary put in the notes to, 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 to catch that version of it. Yeah. Just watching, you know, like uh, kind of doing this, this bass that is, you know, pretty all over the place. And then having, you know, you get that moment like kind of chills and like, <laughs> Mike Mills does a like a little two step up to the mic, mm-hmm. you know, to do the chorus. You know, yeah. this big soaring chorus is going to come. Yeah, um, soaring is like my favorite adjective for a chorus. Yes, <laughs> and a chorus is going to be something I want it to soar. Yeah, and um, that's my favorite thing that a chorus can do. Mm-hmm. Especially, um, especially after it builds to it. Like we're going to get that um, in yeah. uh, South Central Rain. Yes, yeah, yeah. Central, South Central Rain does a great job of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, second track uh, is Seven Chinese Brothers. This is so subdued. Like this, yeah. this doesn't seem like a follow-up to Harbor Coat whatsoever, and I love, I love that sequence. Yeah, it just needs to be kind of somewhere. This is this album's version of a shaking through, yeah, or an ages of you or something like that. Like a kind of middle of the road REM song that's mm-hmm. like, there's place for those. Like those are good. Yeah. I like this song. Yeah. Um, Th- this feels so slight compared to those. I think actually like does it it is completely built around this like wispy like high like you know notes on the high e string of a guitar riff that just kind of like matches with the verse melody like this thing you know it's it'll it'll fall apart in a light breeze it feels like Mm. yeah i don't know i don't i don't know if this sounds that much more you know uh uh slight delicate than that yeah Yeah. slight like it is it is really light and i think that part of when we say it's light, like it's also, it's in an upper register. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a kind of not confusing, but like mm-hmm. inflating, uh, artistic, like craft weight and yeah. Yeah. Tone, you know? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm more, I'm more going for, for, for tone. I, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it is very, it is very, like, it is a little bit more delicate than the last song. Mm-hmm. And the, that's through virtue of having kind of like more trebly instrumentation going on Yeah, during it. Um, I think that this does have like the, the thing that the reason why I end up liking this song, I think, um, other than the fact that it is strong lyrically, I think. Yeah. This is is just one of the most verbose songs they've done. I think. Yeah. uh, Up to this point. 
and it, it does a thing where again it's it's hard to have find literal meaning in this this is like vaguely inspired by a children's book right you know uh, called five chinese brothers uh he's just like yeah fuck you i'll do you two better um <laughs> and then it was one upped in uh plus one's back of our river eight exactly. chinese brothers why not yeah. fuck it yeah yeah <laughs> um but the uh uh i think the lyrics do that kind of thing where they're they're vague but evocative um, which I, you know, that's the word for it. I'm not going to not use the word just because people yell at us about it. And then people the, yell at us. It's just no, funny that we always hit it. Yeah. Well, people, people have called us out for it. Yeah, whatever. But, I mean, I, I will look up some synonyms for evocative. Just you wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like this one. It's not going to be my favorite. It's never going to be my favorite on the album, yeah. but I think it fits in and is good. And I would yeah. think the album would be poorer without it. Yeah. I love the, uh, the shift from take in one symphony now to take in one symphony Mao. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it like it's not subtle when you put them next to each other, but when you notice the difference in the uh, yeah yeah <laughs> in the it, actual there, run. I mean, there, the thing about this album or the song is that unlike some of the other songs on the album, this is not or this is interchangeable with a couple other songs could go here. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't have this be Harbor Harbor Coat then South Central Rain. No, I think no. that's too much. Yeah. Uh, but it wouldn't have hurt anything to put, uh, you know, Letter Never Sent here. Mm -hmm. You know, which is kind of the the sister song of this, I think. Yeah. It, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's, its companion on the second side. Yeah. And, and as a similar, like, I, I think I like letter never sent a little bit more. Me too. Um, but this is still, this is still good. Yeah. Um, the only song I don't like on this is time after time. We'll get to it. Okay. Um, yeah, but, uh, moving on to South central rain, which is the single from this album and is pretty huge. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Um, it's very country. Yeah. I think, um, this is their first, I mean, there's a straight up, legit country song on this album mm -hmm. but this is their like breakthrough kind of like public facing single that has a lot of their country influence to it mm -hmm. i think i think it works like you know oh yeah they're like just uh there are a lot of people who who will hear country and kind of dismiss it as you know being something different from what this what this actually is and what it's what it's calling forward but like the instrumentation feel you know just the the entire presentation of this feels southern it feels it feels humid you know yeah, yeah. um which makes sense with the, the you know the, the inspiration and stuff for the lyrics yeah uh, so it's very specifically um, when they were in california um, doing those demo tracks, I suppose. Um, there's this huge storm, and Peter Buck was trying to call home and get a hold of his parents, and they couldn't. Yeah. And uh, you know this this little phrase Michael Sipe saw this this uh, you know cell central uh, cell central rains the lines are down or something like that yeah, it was like yeah. the you know the specific thing he stole for the lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> this is the REM's version of Texas flood. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> So they, they couldn't, uh, you know, it kind of takes that line and goes with it and makes it, you know, uses that as, as a place to start from, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I also like the way that it is stylized, um, SO dot central rain, just because the chorus of this, um, I think in like a duck feed live or something like that, I, I listed this as one of my favorite REM songs specifically because the idea of having a chorus that is, I, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, that'll come different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely feels like it is stylized to play into that chorus. And the chorus does the thing. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago where, uh, some of the best REM songs will have very obscure, um, either in terms of literal meaning or even just, uh, how well you can understand them lyrics and then contrast them with something very direct mm -hmm. so like i'm sorry as just a universal <laughs> like i say that as 
like the th- you know that's in the top like four phrases i say oh yeah i mean yeah midwest in your bones son you're gonna you're yeah, gonna say sorry thanks. all all damn day you know sorry <laughs> like hello how's it going you know like, these things that are just like things you say and please stop like that. Yeah, please, yeah, please stop um you know uh good boy like, these, these things that i that i say that are just kind of expressions that you build your regular everyday dialogue around mm-hmm. and recontextualizing them to be this kind of chorus yeah and it's not a complicated chorus. Like that's the only line of the chorus. And it just, it again, soars like mm-hmm. it goes on. He holds that note for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's also, it's like the clearest thing he's ever sung on an album. Like it is, yeah. it is right there front and center. And it's not like a trick from nine, from nine, nine where he is, you know, like, uh, like, haha, isn't it funny that there's only this one thing that you can, that you can make out. Like that is the centerpiece. It's it, like, it is the, it is the uh, emotional and dynamic crescendo of this particular thing. And I love the way that he plays off of the, of, of the piano in this, because, you know, again, this is just something I'll, I'll generally fall for in, in music when it's arranged so that there is a continuous melody, but one instrument or one part of the composition carries that. And then somebody else picks it up. So there is a run up to the, I'm sorry that the piano does. And then Stipe just comes in and picks it up and we're, and we're there. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of finishes the phrase Yeah, that the, uh, the piano does, um, <laughs> which that was like a, a thing, uh, when I was in a band, uh, that we would do a lot, uh, if we couldn't figure out a way to fit a lyric in, mm-hmm. um, we would just not, and then just have the <laughs> melody, you know, have a, an instrument play what the melody would have been. Yeah. Um, and in my, my, you know, kind of sad and retrospect rockstar dreams, I always thought it would be cool if anyone picked up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I now realize how ridiculous it is because I'm not trying to figure out what the piano is replacing. <laughs> you know, no, it's, I just want to say, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, like literally, yeah, like that, that, that is what it would be. Like it is better. Yeah, like it that. is better left unsaid. Like just, just, just come in at the point where the, I'm sorry, is going to, going to have the, the, the most impact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great song and, and deserves the credit that it gets. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> Did, did did uh did your oral history um include the 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 tidbit that he got so emotional singing this that he fell down the stairs at the very end? No. <laughs> Again, who knows if this is a sensitive voice? Like you, you, you guys, it's like a band made up of people on TV tours. Like, <laughs> oh gosh, this uh this season finale of Naruto, I couldn't go to work for two weeks. That, that's uh, exactly yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I called like I, I flunked out of my college math class after I found out Eris died because I just couldn't couldn't wake up in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I have no idea what's in Michael Stipe said. It's ridiculous that he was recording in the stairwell anyway but the but the story in in the book that i that i'm reading along with this is that um you know he he kind of falls away abruptly in 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 the mix there you know at the very end of this specifically because he like he got the vapors and took a tumble down the stairs along with the microphone and they decided to keep that take i'm guessing it's his all garlic diet diet (laughs) you know like it's possible you're not doing your health any favors there (laughs) wait it's a superfood. Um, <laughs> Eat a goddamn steak. Like, um, like. <laughs> but but um, so uh, somebody I, f- I forget where it was uh, commented that we we didn't point out how weird it is to see Michael Snipe with hair, especially because by the time he was on MTV, 
a lot, you know, for people who are kind of like roughly in between our ages, you know, he was very much like a prominent balding slash bald musician. Right. Yeah. Um, this song has a video, uh, which has a, you know, a kind of cruel construction a little bit where Stipe is the only person who is always visible as the person who would never want to be visible at all. Everybody else is playing behind these screens, which is a really cool effect. But we have Michael Stipe, like a mop of hair, like uh, the Beatles have mops. Stipe's physique plus this, you know, incredibly long hair, he could literally be used as a mop. Yeah, yeah, he's he looks like uh like one of the the people in the Muppet band. <laughs> like he's like one of the Electric Mayhems. Um, you know, so yeah, super long kind of hippie hair, and his yeah. hair takes some real regrettable turns. Like nobody else in the band other than Mike Mills ever has a different hairstyle. Right. Um, Peter Buck was born with that hair, and he'll die with it. Yep. But the um, at some point in like Green REM, mm-hmm. Michael Stipe has this huge rat tail that goes down to his butt. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly bad. Yeah. I just want to cut it off when he's not looking. Like, it's not as, uh, not as dignified as he would get by, uh, by automatic for the people. Yeah. 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 But, um, there's another interesting thing about the way this is recorded too, that, uh, I had to listen for it to hear it, but I, I kind of love it. Um, is that, uh, they had, uh, Bill Berry record and he just did the, the snare on, on every other beat. Okay. And then they did a bunch of like snipping and, and cutting and stuff to kind of put snares on beats you would not expect. Hmm. Um, and you can hear it if you listen to the song and they, they did a really great job, like just kind of going and, and showing it, you know, I talked about it, uh, I think in the Crocktown episode, but like the Mitch Easter produced REM is my favorite production stuff. And it's oh, not yeah. always like, it can't, it's not all jazz lips. Like sometimes they do <laughs> cool shit like that, that like yeah. works to the greater whole rather than kind of, you know, uh, shouldering its way to the front. Yeah. It, it, it feels like, you know, when, when mitch easter is taking a taking an appropriately sized role in shaping this stuff he's a very good collaborator as, i think you so know when, when he's not leading them astray into jazz lips territory yeah. yeah so once they once they divested him of that <laughs> uh so on those production trips uh pr- production trips we didn't talk about this with uh seven chinese brothers again along with stipe being a sensitive boy he just ha- he didn't have the the lyrics in him so they had him like as a trick had him read uh the liner notes for a gospel album um yes. kind of along he, with oh good or it was uh he had the lyrics he didn't have the vocal melody oh uh, there we go okay so they yeah they needed to do he was trying to kind of contort his lyrics to the the song and it yeah. wasn't working quite right so mm-hmm. they had him just kind of read yeah so like hey take this nonsense you can probably get this to fit and it kind of did. I mean, it's it's super goofy. Like it, it it only functions as a curiosity, but it was released as Voice of Herald. Yes, uh, on a Dead Letter Office. Yeah, and on a, as a B side. Mm-hmm. Um, the um yeah, uh, that video too. Um, it's kind of noteworthy because he doesn't. Uh, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but the video he doesn't uh, lip sync. No, he, um, and he, he hated it so much to. from Wolf, from Wolves Lower. Yeah, and the way they would deal with this later is uh, eventually he does lip sync again. Or they would just not show him singing. Right. Um, but here, this is him. The song the, on the video, it is a different vocal take. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely new mix of the song, kind of. Yes. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of interesting. And I didn't realize um, one of the things in the oral history, uh, someone brought this up, and it wasn't in my other book. But that ended up actually being kind of a weird marketing thing. Yeah. Like that drew a lot of heat for the video because you're like, oh, it's not lip sunk. Yeah. It's a stunt. This, you know, it's like it, yeah. it feels a little bit genuine. Yeah. yeah. Um, next up, uh, Pretty Persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a rocker yes. uh, kind of song. <laughs> that features a harmonica at the beginning for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I don't, I don't and know. And that doesn't it does it doesn't appear. 
Um, but yeah, it's a rocker, uh, and yep. kind of the name and some of the lines came to stipe in a dream again, who knows how reliable that is about being interviewed for Rolling Stone. He wrote this, uh, well before, uh, murmur, uh, kind of was a thing in Rolling Stone. So it was very much just, just a flight of fancy for him. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think this suffers from a uh, two chord chorus okay. syndrome. Um, you know, the, the actual, the verses I'm fine with the kind of energy of the song. I like it's over really fast. Yeah. I think the chorus is, uh, you know, not my favorite. Yeah. I think that's kind of carried, um, by the, uh, um, by the vocal harmonies that distracts mm -hmm. me from the simplicity of the, of, of the chorus, um, uh, enough to make that probably not an issue that like that, 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 mm -hmm. that I, I think isn't as big of a thing for me as it is for you, but yeah, like that, that, that feels like a plus where that would be a minus. For me, like a, that same, like very similar thing works for me in second guessing later Yeah, where the kind of big soaring core, like uh, harmonies, like paper over what I think is kind of a bland chorus melodically. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's only, it's also, it's doing, it reminds me of uh catapult just in that it's a kind of percussive kind of she's got, you know, like <laughs> kind of non-sung, uh, kind of spitting out a lyric, mm -hmm. you know, there that like just doesn't generally work for me like when yeah. he's holding notes i like it more than speak singy michael mm -hmm. stipe yeah um i don't i don't hate it like it's, I just it's don't, a it's a work it's a workhorse of a song i could imagine it being you know and, and we, we've seen this but like being there watching them do this live would probably be a lot of fun yeah yeah, yeah. and this was uh, there's like a instrumental break in which he went like real crazy dancing that was a specific michael stipe dance break of course yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, time after time, let's talk about this regrettable thing. Yeah, this is the only song on the album I really don't like. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it feels like they're almost trying to do like a within you and without you kind of thing. I think um, so too. Um, yeah, I can't handle those raga drums. No, just uh, it's like a like a like a bongo uh, combined with that guitar. Uh, not not into it whatsoever. Yeah, and and if I could wake up and have every sitar on earth set aflame, like it wouldn't bother me that much. <laughs> I don't know if there's sitar on this, but it's just that kind of music that I can't. And I hope, you know, I understand that there's a cultural legacy. <sighs> I don't really yes. want them all destroyed. When Western artists kind of dilettante with mm -hmm. sitar, I think it always sounds bad. Yeah. Um, I like Within You or Without. Uh, no, I like uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. That's what I mean. Um, yeah. Which I... has. Well, that, that song. Well, Within You, you're, they're both. Within You okay, Without yeah. You is the one you probably meant because that's the slow, shitty mm -hmm. sitar Beatles song. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow oh. Never Knows is the one that weird. Oh, that, cool that, that awesome drum. Yeah. That, that yeah. weird little like, like stutter beat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that has sitar, but it's at the back. Yeah. This, that, that kind of tone is just really up front. Mm -hmm. Um, it reminds me a lot of perfect circle. Like it just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And also like it is, it, it feels very produced. I don't know if that's just a, um, j just a function of the, of the odd instrumentation compared to a lot of what we've seen before. Um, you know, it just, it, uh, like, uh, I don't know where the blame lies, but it's in the studio. <laughs> yeah. It is somewhere yeah. in that building. Um, yeah. he, when I, and I know this is contradicting what I said just for the last song, but, uh, he holds out every line. Like mm -hmm. there's not enough lyrics for this song. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, that's the girl for the hour. Like it's, it's, everything is held for like way longer than. It seems like it should be. Yeah. Um, and this, the only part I really like is the, um, the solo part uh, that kind of comes. There's like a little keychain solo, uh, key change solo part at the end. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that I think is kind of good, but I mostly find this to be a ponderous slog. Yeah. Um, it feels much longer than it actually is. Like it is appropriate pop song length, you know, three minutes, 34 seconds or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it feels, it feels like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so not my fave. It's not a work rhyme. Right. It's just, you know, it's, it's, I think it's my least favorite song on this album in a walk. Yeah. Uh, Like there's not really any competition, uh, you know, because, and mostly because everything else on the album, I like pretty well. Yeah. So it is, uh, you know, and if you look at these sides as different, uh, kind of albums or, you know, sequences, it is a bizarre choice for a closer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's bizarre choice for a closer. If you're not overwhelmed with the beauty of this or something, it's like a real perfect circle thing. Like if you think this is like, you know, the end of the show, everyone holds up their lighters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of song. Uh, but that's just, that doesn't work on me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, moving on to the second side, uh, the right side, uh, begins with uh, second guessing, mm-hmm. which we talked about a little bit. This is a very slight song. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there almost no lyrics to this. Yeah. Just about, it's like, it's a, what a repeated chorus <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is what it is. The, 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 the same five or six lines repeated, uh, three times. Um, and it feel, it feels again, like parodically, uh, sensitive boy, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it, and it's, it's an old song. Yeah, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think this, this showed up. Um, or it was pretty persuasion. I'm thinking of but actually one of those two songs. I get those confused for no particular reason. They're not that yeah, similar. Pretty persuasion was '81. Um, okay. sec- second guessing feels like a Chronic Town era song. Yeah, uh, to me. Um, and um, it gets for me though. It gets a pass because it is short and really kind of fast and energetic. Yeah. Um, and the the here we are kind of chorus. Like again, taking those very simple phrases, like these kind of declarative. Uh, phrases like that mm-hmm. and uh, recontextualizing them as, as kind of almost anthemic. Yeah. It uh, works for me pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is again, kind of a workhorse song. It, it feels like a, a little bit of a counterpart to pretty persuasion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It would be that, you know, this pretty persuasion and seven Chinese brothers are probably the three things that are closest to non, you know, like kind of interchangeable songs Yeah, in this sequencing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, letter never sent. Um, again, this is, uh, you know, a, a little bit on the slight side. I think that this is really buoyed by the, um, by the lyrics. Um, oh, I, yeah, I, I love this song. Yeah. It's really this, great. This is, this is a contender for me, actually. This is probably my second or third favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. Uh, this is, uh, it's super catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really awake. It is buoyed by the lyrics. It's got nonsense lyrics where I like them. <laughs> like, uh, up. Like that is super good <laughs> yep. to me. Um, and the chord change from that into the chorus is one of my, you know, I think that's a really, really nice yeah. kind of chord drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got nonsense lyrics, but like it mixes those in with uh, very evocative images of catacombs. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, man, just uh, what is the line that I, that, that I highlighted here? Ba-ba-ba. Oh gosh. The waters are saving me now. The catacombs are filling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just to be just to be a parody of myself. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah, it's it's super good though. Yeah. Um, it, it's yeah, I I like it a lot. When I say it's slight, it's just that it does feel I don't know, like light would be the would probably be the better way to way to say it. Um yeah, I, I'm not I'm not putting this very well. Sorry. Yeah, it's just not it's not like, it's not like deep. Right. You know, it's not it's not like a, a complicated piece of art to no, digest no. over the course of, you know, 
years it is a pop song <laughs> yep it's a pop song um, and it's very direct and like i'm sympathetic to it as well like you know it's right there on the page you, you know like they, they say like oh vacation in athens you know writing about their home you know as a yeah. place that they that they only get to visit every once in a while it feels it feels vulnerable and direct in a way that like everything else just feels vulnerable and uh, arcane mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so yeah that works for me mm-hmm. and quite a bit um Next, uh, camera. Yes, uh, is the song about the uh, their friend who died, as we mentioned. Yes, um, it's incredibly yeah. long. Uh, in the notes I call it anemic. Um, I don't know that that is necessarily something that works against it. I think that there's just an awful lot of room here for a lot of very slight motions that kind of build up into a into a larger thing. It, it's so base led. Yeah, you know, and it's so. Um, there are a lot of parts in the song where not every band member is playing. Right. You know, and that's uh it kind of works for it. It's an interesting production mm-hmm. um, for it. Yep. And like, this is like, th- this is the side of time after time or perfect circle that works for me very well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I like the song a lot, even though it is long and slow, which are things I don't like yeah. generally. Um, it's like, a, it's like a good bridge in the album, you know, but b- between, between letter never sign and don't go back mm-hmm. to Rockville actually. Yeah, yeah, because you couldn't again. You couldn't put those next to each other, and it would be too too slight. Yeah, um, and it's also like knowing even before you know the kind of story about it, it's you know kind of heartbreaking sounding. Yeah, like the again that emotional truth kind of comes through, you know, without the literal mm-hmm. literal truth uh, kind of coming through, and knowing the story about it like makes it yeah. help. You know, it is it is a, a very sweet song. Yeah, a, uh, a bartered lantern borrowed. Yeah. Yeah. it's good yep um yeah i like camera quite a bit yeah um yeah just something to put on and breathe in um on to another i'd love don't go back to rockville gary this is i mean this is all the second side of this album i like the entirety of yes um (laughs) at least to degrees but don't go back to rockville is great i like and i like the last song a lot too like this is this is a huge stretch of like super good shit (laughs) yeah Don't don't go back to rockville is wonderful yeah um, um and this is a song that's been around for a while like mike mills wrote this um uh to to, to his girlfriend uh oh gosh i remember ingrid, her shore. Name, ingrid, ingrid shore there we go um kind of another uh a scene person who was kind of kicked out of a band or didn't make an audition or something i was like well i'm gonna go away and so he wrote this kind of very plaintive plea to her and it was played very fast like a um gosh one of the books that i read or one of the write-ups was like oh like very fast thrash or whatever but no it's more like a like a buddy holly kind of feel yeah to it yeah it would have been like a like an old like a 50s rock yeah song more than anything but they 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 do this as a straight up like country song um almost so much like i can take this seriously but it's so country you know it's so like you know that honky tonk piano is so like yeah. stands out quite a bit yeah it's, it's, it sounds like a like a transplant from a like a like a Leonard Skinner ballad almost yeah yeah and and Michael Stipe singing it in his like low country voice yeah yeah you know it has the kind of hallmarks of a toss off song like a kind of b-side or thing they would do just for goofs um but the songwriting under it is so strong yeah uh that it like kind of works mm mm-hmm. mhm and, you know, again, it's that, it's that vulnerability, it's that emotional honesty and, you know, directness, you know, talking about like, hey, if you move there, you're just going to waste another year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, stay here, you know, live, live here with me, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's just let, let's just do this together as opposed to, you know, you know again, re- retreating to this factory town shithole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, uh, 
you know, it's, it's something I, I like a lot too. Like, don't go back to rock feels great. Yeah. Um, and even taken as just a country song. If you, if you set aside like stories that I read about them, you know, j- joking about like recording a video with like fake beards is like a different band, like trying to be the, the Chris Gaines versions of, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of, of REM to do it. Like it is super sweet. And, uh, the, the, the story about it, like their, their manager, Burtis Downs loved don't go back to Rockville and wanted it to be, you know, uh, on, on some albums and he liked country music as well. So like, that's why they arranged it that way was as a gift to their friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff they do like that. Like, you know, if, if somebody, you know, we talked about in the last episode, the IRS guy being like, Hey, I like nine, nine. Would you guys throw that on the album? You know, and they'll, they'll do stuff like that. They'll do yeah. things with their friends, which it's, is just it's like, like a little, uh, active, uh, generosity, you know? Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. And they also make a, a fantastic country pop song out of it. Yeah, this yeah. Th- this would be a contender um on the back of Harbor Coat for me for uh, for favorite. Yeah. This this album this this uh, album is hard to find. It really is. Because it's, because it's, the next one's going to be two. <laughs> yeah, cuz it's it's cuz it's it's all very good. Um and then the album closes a little America um which uh, I I love this song as well. Yep. Um <laughs> this is like you know pro like angry REM but kind of you know the lyrics the content of the lyrics are angry but the sound is not right right um which i like and mm-hmm. uh just has a lot of like uh it's a, a getting lost kind of tour song mm-hmm. um which i really really love yeah and like they're um, talking about like roadside attractions you know just like the like the, the tacky side of, yeah you know of america gary what's going on behind those picket fences well what's happening behind this? <laughs> another one of our segments what's going on behind those picket fences <laughs> um yeah. It's a, uh, it's that, and then coupled with just kind of like a grander American critique. Yeah. Um. Like you know, the, their lyrics where he, he talks about um, another Greenville, another Magic Mart, um, which is the kind of things you'd see over and over on the tour mm-hmm. or on a tour, and then live sometimes you'd replace it by saying another Reagan, another Bush, <laughs> and make a bomb noise. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and most of the commentary about this is you know talking about you know, you know cr- criticizing the Reagan administration you know uh, yeah. uh, on the back of it again them kind of tiptoeing into into being more political. Um, God, thank God REM isn't alive to see this, <laughs> but see all the members wrong. are. Yeah, I know. I, just, I, know. Yeah. I just yeah just, uh, yeah. Uh, no, we're it's it's a fucking time quake, man. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, but this, like, you know, that, that could be seen as cloying that could be seen as like pandery. It feels very genuinely felt on, on, yes. on their side. And it is built into this, this amazing rock song, like the, like the, the, the drums, you know, like if you thought REM couldn't rock, you know, like, like, the, <laughs> Welcome to yeah, this. but, but like it's, it's, it's Bill Barry doing like a, like, like a straight up, you know, 16th note disco beat on it yeah you know as uh, as you know like they're high hat on the offbeats yeah yeah they're very uh very uh unrestrained in this in a way also an amazing line i don't see myself at 30 that's so good that's the (laughs) opening line of the song it's one of my favorite all-time favorite opening rem lines yeah like it's just it's just very uh and you know as somebody who is is uh in their mid-30s like i understand the the night that, that it's kind of naive as a thought of course, um, but, but you it's feel just so it. relatable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like such a such a felt thing. Yeah, even if you're older than thirty, you probably don't see yourself at thirty. You know, yeah. <laughs> like or yeah. don't see yourself as thirty, or you know, any any number of those things. There's a little bit of um um kind of bile in this as well, and part of the reason why they never played it too much after the mid '90s was after their falling out with uh, with Jefferson Holt. 
uh, the references to Jefferson, you know, in, in, in this song, uh, probably didn't sit too well with them. I, I love that before, you know, before they omitted it, but when bands do that kind of thing mm-hmm. and they just use somebody by name who's around them all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm, I always love that. It's a big, uh, they might be giants. Fan thing. Yes. They will refer to each other by name or refer to other people in the, by, in the band by name, mm-hmm. uh, just in, in their song. And I like that a lot. Um, but then Jefferson Holt did a bunch of sexual harassment. So fuck that guy. Yep. Um, um, yeah. And then that's the album. It's real. It's short. It's mm-hmm. shorter than, is it their shortest album? I think so. Uh, maybe, uh, like yeah. the, the only song that breaks five minutes is camera or even just by a number of tracks. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if not, it's tied. Yeah. It's like, ten, there isn't an album songs. with nine songs. So, yeah. uh, really, really short, really just kind of zips by. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's almost <laughs> entirely, you know, wall to wall great. Yeah. Be, be, you know, I, I would say because it changes gears so very yes. often, you know? Yeah. And that's something, it's interesting to see um, the next album where things change gears a lot because they're kind of experimenting mm-hmm. with some different uh, different kinds of things. Um, also makes that album very easy to kind of talk about and yeah. and move through, even though on an individual song level, the songs are slower and dirgier yeah. uh, a lot of the time. So it's a little bit harder to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, you know, they don't have that kind of weight of misery above them. You know, mm-hmm. this is them at the, like, Hey, we're, <laughs> we're fucking rem yeah we're fucking rem man like so they're getting into that a little bit like they still have that humility which we talked about but they're just like yeah. so confident mm-hmm. with this record and it it ultimately is a good thing that somebody will take the wind out of their sails a little bit yeah i think it'll artistically help them to lose a little bit of that mm-hmm. you know to have but or at least to break their them, complacency a little bit yes yeah. yeah um but hearing them like kind of utilize that as a power is just really really great <laughs> it's um, uh it's it's good to happen once you know yes yeah um, there are some, uh, outtakes this album. They had a lot of extra studio time, mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned. Um, so, uh, they re, uh, they recorded wind out, yes. uh, which is a surf. It's like white tornado. Yeah. Uh, I don't care for that one bit. No, <laughs> actually. Why, yeah. Wind out. Why? Yeah, so good. Except it has, I mean, it has lyrics, but it has that same kind of surf. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. And the lyrics doing, are doing that shout out, wind out, you know, <laughs> catapult. Um, <laughs> good geez, times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't need it. Um, don't like wind out. Yeah. Because um, they were in the studio and somebody, you know, Mike Mills fucked around and started playing the beginning of Moon River. Michael Stipe started singing it. <laughs> why don't we and, just do this? Why don't we just sing yeah, a Hen- we, Henry Mancini song? Yeah, why don't we just do Moon River? And it's like, well, I can think of some reasons not to do Moon River. Like, <laughs> Again, it's, it's like it's it is it is like that tighten up thing. Like, you know, I could see a band warming up with tighten up, you know, but I don't yeah. see why you would commit it to uh, commit it to tape. No, yeah, yeah, this is this is not uh maybe this is this is the evidence I need for not wanting them to have done a double album because I don't like any of the outtakes from this really. Yeah, yeah. Um like the only so one they, that I like is the countrified version of Pale Blue Eyes. I, I don't like that very much. Oh because um, it's it's too slow hmm. for me. Um, like Pale Blue Eyes is already really slow. Yeah. Like I don't you know, just like let's cut that by twenty percent. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um it's also not my favorite uh or, or Velvet Underground song oh, anyway. Of um, they did that as a B-side, though, and that's a, at least it doesn't sound like they're just fucking around. It's not like yeah, New yeah. River, you know, or Tighten Up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the deal with Walter's theme? Uh, that is a commercial they did for a barbecue place they like. <laughs> there um, we go. Okay. And they, they played it live, and there's there's actually is an album version of it that I couldn't find on YouTube. No, they, uh, it's another one of those. It, it is like that Hindu Love Gods recording that was somebody filming their turntable with a, with yes. a cell phone camera. Yeah. there's a, there, It's on Dead Letter Office, though. 
Okay. Uh, and it's it's really really cute. Like it's a it's a funny. I love this as a, a good example of REM being funny. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, because Michael Stipe sings it from the perspective of the guy who owns the the barbecue place. He's like, <laughs> I got a hat the size of Oklahoma. And there's this whole like bit where he's just like, you know, you can take some home for the missus. We'll give you a bag to put it in. <laughs> like, you're not just gonna get loose cue like around in your pockets. Yeah. Oh man, for some reason that did I, I had no recollection of that on Dead Letter Office. Also I love the uh I, I love the notion of uh established vegan Michael Stipe singing yeah. about barbecue well yeah he didn't he didn't used to be and they used right, to be yeah. this barbecue place all the time he yeah he's kind of came he's like oh i signed up for the greenpeace newsletter i can't it's all garlic now garlic is garlic is all yeah um, loose cue but it, but it's such a it's such a cute like little thing that they did and there's the, you know video of them doing it live yeah as well it's kind of a shitty recording but like they would do this commercial in front of people and i, I think that's very cute and awesome <laughs> yep uh yeah i'm into it <laughs> Um, and then they do uh, same thing with like kind of Moon River where they're just kind of drunk. Yeah. Um, this goes right into on uh, the other office into them doing King of the Road. Yeah. Uh, which I can't remember who does King of the Road. Oh uh, man, I looked it up. It's a it's a song you know, King of yeah. the Road. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the the liner notes in Dother Office that Peter Buck says I can't remember the name of the guy who sang this originally. It was like he should be able to sue us for what we did to this. Like he's <laughs> like, and it's bad. Yeah. Like, and Peter Buck is the worst offender. Like this recording, Peter Buck is just like yes, countrying out. Yeah. Um, and then Gary, guess what shows up again? Yeah, it's it's Ages of You. Ted, this, I think this might be our, our last last uh, Ages of You. Yeah, for the con- appearing four consecutive times uh, <laughs> on the podcast. Um, I can't think of anything more to say about Ages of You except for the fact that it's hilarious that they did both that and Burning Down in the same. Burning, yeah, Burning Down is very like a different vocal melody, but yeah. very you know almost the same chords. Um, yeah. But I like Burning Down too. I'm like yep. I, I, I like the this song. I wish this would have made it onto something one way or another uh, <laughs> you know uh, but yeah so both those songs ended up on here as well yeah um and kind of outtakes and didn't make it on the album i mean up to me like i would have shunted out uh, time after time and thrown one of these bad boys in but <laughs> it uh it's fine without it too yeah you know that would have would have lowered the variety but then i wouldn't have to listen to time after time yeah um uh yeah. the live shows so that you're gonna see those in the in, in the notes below there's uh there's a really good one from the capitol theater uh that is where they did do you believe in magic uh which is really good that's a that, mm-hmm. that is a fun cover uh for them to do and then you also get to see michael stipe fail to sing in falsetto on gloria yeah they try they try to do gloria and they don't do a very good job at it at all <laughs> um the uh they also do during this one i'm I'm pulling it up just to make sure it's the correct one is it i think it might be the previous one are you thinking of a happy birthday no 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 i'm thinking yeah. of this one because they also do uh so you want to be a rock and roll star oh yeah and that's an awesome cover. like they they're really well suited to doing that song mm-hmm. uh, they're joined by some weirdos who i don't know who they are yeah i could not find who those who those people were uh, they're they're, yeah. they're older like they were they were very dad-like in their presence but yeah, I think I think the one guy who comes up might be the guy who they do baseball project with. Okay, they might have been these guys who they were they toured with who were in this band called um, like Dreams Dream Syndicate. Okay, um, and th- that showed up a lot in the oral history. It might be the Dream Syndicate guy. Okay, um, I could be wrong about that. You know, nobody nobody freak out, but yeah, uh, might be the Dream Syndicate guy, and uh, yeah, 
Yep. No, it's a uh, but 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 they're good covers, and uh, I yeah. love watching people have fun on stage. Yeah, yeah. Even you know, even that kind of bad version of Gloria is still fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. And you know, do you believe in magic? Is a real silly song, but mm-hmm. they're having fun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's, um, but I can imagine it'd be very fun to sing and play, especially when you have. Uh, oh gosh, uh, again, r- random weirdo up there playing uh like playing a zither. Uh, yeah and you have yeah. michael stipe and mike mills like an auto harp yeah auto harp there we go yeah. um over like and you have you have uh stipe and mills uh singing into uh um so like saying the backup into into a single microphone it's just yeah. like a lot of fun i don't know yeah it looks like it'd be really good to see that that um the oral history book had uh, a bunch of stuff from that dream syndicate band and apparently that was a really rough time for them because prior to murmur they were kind of like had a higher star you know or more of a rising star than rem yeah and they really petitioned really hard to get on to be a supporting act on this tour okay because they were friends with them you know friends with all the guys but they were kind of on their way out like had made an album that like what didn't do very well Mm. and during this entire tour like uh dream dream syndicate opened and nobody liked them oh man like it was just like you know they did not do well yeah. And that, as an opening band, that's, that's literally all you want. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, maybe some of these people who came for R.E.M. might kind of dig us. Hmm. But it sounded like there was a lot of ego kind of like crumbling yeah. in that. Like They thought they were like, oh, like, well, yeah, we'll support these kids, you know, and then turn <laughs> out to be like the second stringers against their, you know, against their hopes or their, their expectations. Yeah. Which is, you know, sad. I, I have sympathy for that. Yeah. It's not a it, it's not a place I'd want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not where you'd want to be. <laughs> Uh, so, um, something I forgot to put into uh, into the where they were section of this, you know, especially since we're talking about live live acts, they uh, they started touring uh, in Europe at this point as well. Like they uh, uh, they had a little bit of success in Britain. Their tour in continental Europe, especially Germany, was so bad that other bands canceled their tours because of how badly REM was received. So, like, wow, you know, if we're looking at REM on the on on the global stage at this point, you know, they had broken out and become a national act. Um, in, in, you know, in America on the heels of murmur, Europe was not having it. Yeah. And that's, that's going to kind of play into the, uh, the next episode where you talk about, cause they went over to record mm-hmm. in, uh, to record fables of the reconstruction of the fables of the reconstruction of the fables of the reconstruction mm-hmm. ad infinitum, yeah. um, overseas right. and just kind of like generally not had a great time Yeah, uh, over there. I love, um, the behind the music on REM. I should see if that's on YouTube because it's like the, uh, the onion had a, a article a long time, like early onion where it was uh-huh. like, you know, harrowing. They might be giants behind the music talks about John, Fl- John uh, Flansburg's harrowing Tetris addiction <laughs> or something like that. And just kind of making fun of the fact that like, there's nothing bad happened. Yeah. They're so mild. Yeah. <laughs> the REM one is a lot like that too, where it's like, you know, Bill Berry had a stroke at some point. That was, uh, um, quit. that was, that was with, uh, in, in tour in support of monster, right? Like monster yeah, was yeah, a very, way later. Uh, yeah. So the, the first, you know, 15 years of their career, is <laughs> like all on the up and up and they just talk about this kind of sad time they had recording this album and it is it and they use all the dramatic music stings and <laughs> you know they have to treat it like it's it's the end of the world because it's behind the music but when it came time to mix the album they had some disagreements yeah exactly like you know P- peter buck had to take a bus to the studio and it was cold real cold <laughs> Yeah, that's more or less what it is like yeah <laughs> um should, should we i mean is there any point in doing our favorite and least favorite on this because we we kind of said it in the in, in the main thing um yeah i mean for me it's, it's harbor coat and time after time yeah um if if it had to be if i had to choose seconds uh-huh um yeah let's do let's do runners up because it's it's too obvious for this one yeah um, uh go ahead 
or yeah um let me uh I want to look at I close the notes, but I want to look at them all. I know the, the album, the songs on this. Um, I might go, you know, since this is already a consolation match, it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, I might go Dark Horse and do uh, Letter Never Sent. For okay. One. I like that song a lot. Um, and then my second least favorite song is probably, probably Pretty Persuasion. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, where I'm at. It. That's that's crazy because uh, because my the, the the my runner up for like favorite would be Don't Go Back to Rockville, um, mm. and my runner up for least favorite would be um, would be Second Guessing. Actually, mm. yeah. Um, and again, we we drew that comparison between Second Guessing and Pretty Persuasion being kind of like these workhorse songs. So it's yeah, weird I mean, how we felt on the different sides of that. Yeah, I don't. Uh... There's, it's mostly like I have to cast around for something I don't like. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and and pretty persuasion. It's just it's losing me for that. Jeez, God. <laughs> um, it's just you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, If you have to judge, it's like a high end cooking show where like everyone's <laughs> making really good food, and you have to be like yeah. really really harsh because it doesn't have an element of salt. <laughs> you know where, where it could have used it instead it has an element of crunch yeah something like that <laughs> yeah the, um, like, the, 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 yeah. so if you're looking at something that commits a lot of the same sins as time after time you would turn to camera i think i think camera is too special to lose you know yeah to, like, to, to, to cast at that really breaks things up it's also a place where i can hear the kind of uh velvet underground influence yeah more than some of their other stuff mm-hmm. um yeah I, I like i like camera a lot so that works for me and, and who knows why, um, you know, I think, I think it is that open air kind of production yeah. element to it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to put a bongo beat in every fucking, <laughs> like every beat. Very. Um, yeah. So this is the show where we convince you Bill Barry is the worst member of R.E.M. <laughs> Which is not my belief. I think he's such a wonderful drummer. Yeah, he's, he's great. He, yeah. I mean, but if you had to choose like gun to your head, like yeah. probably, I mean, probably. I, I don't like it, but yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a choice I'd like making. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, you know, it's if, if John Wick burst through my window and put a gun to my head, like then I'd have to, <laughs> I'd, I'd make that choice. Yeah. But, oh gosh. I yeah. love this album so much. It was so fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I'm looking forward to moving into the next couple too, which are not uh, as perfect to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but are really interesting and cool. Yeah, there's more like nuance to it. I'm very so I'm I'm fo- I like kind of reading piecemeal in these in these books as I go along. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't done like a big a, a big reading, so I'm like getting the story as it goes, and that's putting me in this weird spot where like I'm I feel like I'm aging along with the music. That's a weird mm-hmm. way to say it, but like you know, like well, you are. Well, I mean, of course, yeah, all, all, all of us are. I mean, on a long enough timeline, no, but like I'm just kind of like as as we're kind of not you know ratcheting through these i am steeped in the story and that music itself as i'm you know preparing for the show you know yeah 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 uh, me too i mean i read the uh the stories behind the song when i read all at once hmm. and then have been kind of reviewing but the oral history one i'm reading as we go yeah uh, partly because i know my memory isn't good enough to like oh, of course call up trivia you know three months after i read something <laughs> um but the uh it's been really fun to, to go through it and i'm looking i'm just uh this B-side hunt is just really fun. Like <laughs> what kind of stuff didn't make it on this really troubled album? Yeah. You know, what kind of stuff could they have substituted for like, you know, half the snoozers on the back of life's rich pageant. <laughs> you know? um, it's good. Uh, there's also a fun thing about this episode of this and the last episode is I think we've kind of established a vocabulary for talking about like the weird standard, like middle of the road REM song. Mm-hmm. And that's going to serve us. Like, you know, when we get to life's rich pageant, it's like, oh, what if we gave it away is the 
uh, seven Chinese brothers shaking through. <laughs> like it's in that slot. Yeah, which is like you know? they're still and they're still great songs. You can you can have a good song in that slot. Yeah, you know, but it is just such a and that's where like you know getting ahead a month. That's where like first pageant loses me is like ha- the second half of the album is almost all that slot. Yeah. You know, it needs more of that variance. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're building up our vocabulary to talk about the band within itself, which is, yeah. is good. Um, what can people do if they like the show? Cool. Well, Gary, the show is only possible because of the support on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash TV and kick us a couple of bucks a month, uh, you help make this show and others like it possible, help us work toward new goals. Um, and boy, just, uh, we have so many things that we're doing and it's only possible because of your generosity. Yeah. And if you like this show, if you, there are other shows on the network as well. So I imagine people who listen to this also listen to other stuff on Duckfeed. but if not, mm-hmm. if you go to Duckfeed TV, DuckFeed.tv, you can find a list of all the shows we have on offer yeah. and there's a lot of stuff there and we think that you will like that as well. Um, we'll give you a bag. To put it in. <laughs> uh, take some home for the missus. <laughs> Uh, what else? Um, ratings, reviews on iTunes are very important yep. when a show is just beginning. Um, some people have sent some already. I, I've seen those and they're very nice, hmm. but uh, we need more. Yeah, more, more, please. Our our appetite for validation is unending. Some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know we have we're, we have a presence on social media. We're on we, you know we're on Facebook, uh, you know slash file underwater. Uh, you can tweet about us and uh, share us in your circles if you you know want to uh, spread the word of REM. Uh, you know, uh, or if you have, if you know people who like REM, uh, that, that, that is a great way to help us out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably about it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank uh, you for, so, uh, for coming along and Gary, thank you so much. It's a, it's a lot of fun to talk about this music with you. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is fun and good and it's a joy to research and a joy to, uh, <laughs> to, to talk about yeah. looking at you, Salt Sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so until next time, it is the end of the podcast as we know it. And we feel fine. Yeah.